Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. How would you like to grow your wealth in a tax-deferred or tax-free basis? Well, you can with a self-directed retirement account. These are also known as self-directed IRAs. A self-directed IRA is a form of individual retirement account that is designed to allow investors to diversify their retirement assets, including cash, beyond what is typically offered by many brokerage firms. So the advantage of that are that you can increase the potential for growth by giving you the freedom to invest in almost any type of asset. It gives you the ability to diversify your portfolio by investing in alternative assets such as real estate and precious metals, and it can hedge against market fluctuations and volatility. Now, as a side note, I like to say that the stock market and equities market are the alternative investments and that real estate being a hard asset is actually the true and best investment that you can be invested in. But thirdly, it allows you to take control of your financial future because these are self-directed retirement accounts. And lastly, you can grow your savings in a tax-advantaged account that allows for tax deferral and or tax-free growth. So this episode is filled with valuable info. You'll want to pay attention and recognize how you can start, grow, and leverage your retirement savings. It is my pleasure to welcome Glenn Mather to the show. Glenn is the president and CEO of New View Trust Company. Glenn speaks nationally on the topic of self-directed investment retirement accounts and has been featured in print and on television. It was due to Glenn's passion for self-direction that New View was opened in August of 2003, and he founded the company to broadly open up the opportunity for others to participate in taking control of their IRA and the investment opportunities available to them to put into those retirement accounts. Over the course of the last 15 years, Glenn has gathered a great management team that shares his enthusiasm for providing others access to the full opportunities within their retirement account. And Glenn is also a great acquaintance of mine. We've been on a couple of cruises together. Glenn, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Marco. It's great. I got to update that a little bit because it's actually been 17 years. All the other stuff is true, but we started New View with the idea. It was basically mine because I was doing this. I was actually self-directing my IRA with a local bank in Chicago. It took all sorts of maturations to kind of get into the bank and allow me. I wasn't a high net worth individual, so I didn't have this access available to me. But when I learned I could buy real estate in my IRA, I quickly exhausted sort of all of the hurdles, got over all the hurdles to make it happen. And that was my basis. It was basically, I was doing this myself and I wanted all of my friends and associates and actually people I haven't met yet to go do the same thing because it's amazing and powerful. So you found this passion just through your own personal experience. Yes, I did. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I apologize about my math. I should have just done the math. 2020 minus 2003 is actually 17, not 15. So that, that, that's my fault. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, so tell us a little bit about New View and a little bit more about yourself. I've spent a few weeks with you over a couple of years out at sea and, you know, gotten to know more about your company and you and your services and whatnot. And, and it's a very sharp company. So just expand on that a little bit for the people who are listening and, and are not familiar with you. Well, Marco, I've been told that I've been out at sea a lot, but it's not always <laughs> on a cruise. But in any case, yeah, I mean, I started this company when I was 47 years old and because I was concerned about my own retirement and what it was going to look like. 
I started out working at a little company out in the West Coast called Lockheed Missiles and Space Company. Perhaps some of you have heard about it. It's called Lockheed Martin now. And uh, I started out just like many of you. I got in their 401k plan. That was actually, I joined their 401k plan only five years after the first 401k plan was created back in 1980. And so I didn't know what I was doing like many of us. And I just put 2% of my money in and I said, here's my deal with myself. And I found, by the way, this is a great way to start saving if you haven't started yet. The deal is it's always easier to make a commitment to save in the future than it is to save now. So I say every time I got a pay raise, I'd say 50% of it would go in my 401k, 50% would go in my fund budget or whatever. And I did that for 13 years. And when I left Lockheed, I had, and keep in mind, I left in 1993, I had over $120,000 saved in my 401k plan. So that's a little tip of savings make the pledge to do something in the future and you're more likely to do it than to take the big commitment and make it all right now. So I grew it all the way up till the time that I was retired. I was making 12%, 13% investments every year in it. What I didn't like are the choices because I had to be in the stock market. Yeah, I agree. Well, that's the limitation. And unfortunately, that's what most people think is your only option. They don't realize that you can take an IRA and turn it into a self-directed IRA, which by law, is what everybody is allowed to do. So let's talk about that. For people who are not familiar, what is a self-directed IRA? How does that differ to what most people think of as a traditional IRA? And and let's just take it from there. Okay, I'll give you a quick little tutorial. I promise that not to drive everybody to sleep on this. Okay. But there's actually four kinds of IRAs or four kinds of IRAs you can have. You can have a SEP, a simple, a traditional, and a Roth IRA. They're all different types. They're basically all pinge on one thing is the government's trying to give you a tax incentive to save for yourself. And the real truth of the matter is the more we save for ourselves, it takes the pressure off social security. And we know what's happening with that. And now with all this new deficit spending, you know, what are we going to do? That's probably for another podcast. But in any case, the government's incented for you to take care of your own retirement. Unfortunately, Wall Street has kind of hijacked that thought and said, well, in order to use your IRA, you must buy stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. And yes, we'll let you stay in cash for a short period of time until we agitate you to go buy more stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. And that's what everybody does. That's how industry does it. The 401k advisors that work inside these inside Wall Street that help you when you're an employee, they also want to help you when you're an ex-employee. It's all geared to that. But you are right, as you point out, there's no rules that say that you're not allowed to buy private investments with your IRA. It's just that most people have no idea how to do it and where to go to get to facilitate those types of arrangements because they're not sold to you by Wall Street. And that's why you need a custodian of sorts. Yeah. So we serve as a custodian. You're exactly right. Most people don't know what that term is. And our company is called a trust company. And a trust company is someone that holds money that's not theirs and does the bidding of the beneficiary of the trust. When you own an IRA, you are the beneficial owner of that IRA. It means that you direct whoever's holding that money, and you're doing it right now through Charles Schwab and Merrill Lynch. You're telling them you want to buy this stock or you want to buy this mutual fund, and they go do it, and they hold it in a special account. We do the same thing that they do, but our menu is far bigger. I love this concept that one of my associates here in Lockheed has told me. He says, the difference between a self-directed IRA and a traditional stock market IRA is this. It's kind of like saying, could McDonald's sell a ribeye steak if they wanted to? And the answer is yes, they could. 
they choose not to, it's not their business model. And the reason why McDonald's wouldn't sell that, it would take too long to get through the drive through window. It would clog up everything because it's all about fast food that's kind of barely edible, but it's fast food, right? Well, the fact of the matter is McDonald's could do that if they chose to. It wasn't their business model. It's not how they're priced. It's not how they run. The fact of the matter, Charles Schwab could allow people to buy real estate, notes, mortgages, tax deeds, security instruments, all the things you can do inside a self-directed IRA. They choose not to, not because it's illegal for them to do so. They do so because it would grind their program trading to a halt. Almost everything that's done on those platforms is done automated because there's no people involved. And you'll start to realize that when you make a call to those companies on how long it takes to get somebody knowledgeable. And it's a program. There's nothing wrong with it. But what they do is they sell what's on their menu. They don't sell what's on the total menu. And at Newview, we're kind of excited to let you know that as a custodian of ours, you get everything the IRS does not prohibit. You understand how I said that? Everything. So there's not a list of what you can't, you can do. There's only a list, a few things that you're not allowed to do. So Glenn, that begs the next question, what actually is allowed? And then that leads to the next question of what is a prohibited transaction? Because certain, certain things like I believe art and collectibles are not actually allowed. So what is allowed? Yeah. And the beauty of what's allowed is there's almost everything that you'd be attracted to in the first place. And what's not allowed is you'll kind of get a sense of why it's not allowed. Let's start with that because And I'll give you a few things that are allowed after I tell you what's not, because what's allowed is so broad. Right. What's not allowed is the IRS does not let you do collectibles. They name about six or seven different collectibles like wine, believe it or not, artwork, special coins, gems, all that stuff is off the table. And it generally for that is it has to do with valuation. The IRS once a year requires you to tell them how much your account is worth. And if it's just all over the map and it's hard to get an expert to really tell you, then they've just basically, this was back in 1975 when they wrote this code, they said, we do not want to have collectibles. So there was no one really to argue against that. So since 1975, you can't own collectibles. Another element that you can't own, the only other single classification of elements you can't own is life insurance, which makes perfect sense because your IRA is to take care of your living costs. It's not your dying costs. So it's not to benefit your beneficiary. Now, by the way, when you die and you have an IRA, of course, your beneficiary gets it, but you shouldn't be investing in something where they hit a home run. They hit a home run, but you don't. So that's the purpose. That makes sense. So that's one category of things you can't do, collectibles and insurance. The other part has to do with the relationship of the parties. So they're concerned about insider trading, inside deals. So I'll give you a simple one. What if my mother had a house, and she was getting ready to go to assisted living. Nice house. I love this house. Perfect for rentals. You know, I could split it up in the middle. I could put one party upstairs, one party downstairs. There's two entrances. It would generate all this cash for me. The IRS says, you know, I don't think your mom's going to give you a fair deal on that. It's not fair. And when I get my IRA involved, there's a tax benefit to that. So I have the right as the government to say, I'm going to take your mom off the table. You can't do deals with her. Your IRA cannot be in any deal with her. She can't stay in one of your properties that you own in your IRA. It's not an arm's length transaction. That's what they're looking for. So what they've basically done is said certain people are called disqualified parties. Those are people that you can't, your IRA can't deal with. And it's the family tree, but it's just the trunk of the tree, which is interesting. So it's parents and grandparents, children and grandchildren, yourself and your spouse and the spouses of your children and grandchildren. 
So that's a very narrow, it doesn't talk about brothers and sisters and cousins and uncles and aunts. Now, I would tell you as a custodian, stay away from family. Just don't do deals with them. Right. Because you don't want anyone to doubt that you didn't do anything but an arm's length deal. The other aspect of this, and I don't want to get too down in the weeds, we don't have time, is if you have a business interest. So if you own a business, your IRA can't be used to fund your own business. It makes sense. It's not fair because you'd be using tax-deferred money to fund your business when other people wouldn't be able to use tax-deferred money because they may not have an IRA. So understand that those are the categories. It's family members generally, it's businesses you own, and then avoid collectibles and life insurance. Okay, Glenn. So the opportunities and the options are very broad. There are some limitations. Stay within that box and you're fine. You mentioned funding your investment or your purchases a couple of times here. So let's talk about that. As far as I know, there's three ways to fund an acquisition or purchase or investment within your self-directed IRA. And that is all cash, cash coming out of that IRA, partnering with somebody, and then using financing, which just contributes to whatever capital you have within the IRA to make that investment. Let's talk about these three. Just kind of break it down for us uh, so people have a clear idea of what they can and can't do as far as funding and, and making those investments. Yeah, I mean, let's take the middle one first because I think everyone kind of understands fully funding something means I have exactly or more in my IRA than I actually need to buy something, all right? And that's fairly easy. And when we're talking about real estate, that's generally known as a fee simple title. You know, it just right. goes from the title. Actually, what's interesting is when it's owned in your IRA, it doesn't go in the name of your IRA. It actually goes in the name of the custodian first. So it'd be New View Trust FBO, which stands for for benefit of Glenn Mather's IRA. And what's cool about that is it lets everybody know that it's not yours. It's actually, it is you're the beneficiary of it. But as far as the day-to-day signatures and holding of it, it's up to the custodian to do it. Oh, by the way, I don't know, Marcos, if you know this, but probably one of the best things possible about an IRA and also a 401k, 403b, 457, is those things have the highest level asset protection of almost anything. You ever hear of a guy named OJ Simpson? (laughs) Yes, why? He used to run some really good Hertz commercials. But anyway, you recall that he was let go on his, his, the murder conviction, right? He was considered, got away. But he did not get away on the conviction of his civil conviction with the Goldman family, right? That was the family of the slain lady, whoever did it, right? Whoever did it. So he got a court order against everything that he owned. So they got to haul away his grand piano, everything in his house, everything. And as you recall, he got in a little trouble about his memorabilia later on in life. But the most important asset that he actually got to retain was his NFL pension. They couldn't touch it. And that was because? Because... The courts are say, I don't care what you've done, that's going to be protected. The only way that it can be taken away from you is fraud. So interesting enough, you could potentially murder somebody and keep what you have. That's how strong that protection is. And as long as you don't commit fraud. So why would anyone not build their IRA up as big as they can and make that the rainy day fund and never use it and make it bigger and bigger because it comes with so much extra benefit, not only is it tax-free as it builds, but it protects you against the worst thing possible, which would be all everything's gone, but you still have that. Okay. So someone has an IRA, they've got funds in that IRA, they want to make an investment in some asset that generates cash flow or whatever it may be. So the first is to just make that acquisition all cash. They've got right. 
$100,000 in their IRA, they buy a $100,000 rental property, whatever. The second way is to use financing. I'm going to let you comment on this because I've talked about this a lot in the past. So how do you finance? Yeah, I'll leave that. And I apologize because I kind of left off without going to the second one, which was for the partnering. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, so let's go to partnering and then lending last. Partnering is interesting. I mean, that's pretty simple. What it allows you to do, what I love partnering is I do a lot of my deals in partnering. A lot of people hate the fact that they have to have a partner. And I go, I love the fact that I have a partner, you know, because, well, look at what you do. I mean, you help educate people. Every time you're doing your podcast, you educate people. And after a while, you're going to want to invest yourself. And let's say it's something brand new. Let's say it's structured settlements. And that's a lot of fun. And I'll, we'll do this a little bit later if we have time. What would be better than to you come up to me and say, Glenn, I'd love to learn about structured settlements. I believe they're a good investment. How about if I take 50% of the next deal you do? That's pretty cool because here's the deal is you get to ride all my knowledge, right? You get it free. You're getting 50% of the deal. Whatever the money is, I have to put in the same amount of money. There's no hidden deal here. I put in the same amount of money. What better way to learn about an investment class than to actually, and by the way, you could probably get away with telling me I'll put 20% in, 25%. You still get 100% of the education for 20% of the risk and you get 20% of the reward. So partnering, you can come at any different percentages that you like. And people have told me that you can even partner with a spouse because I'm not buying from a spouse. She's a disqualified party. Remember that a little bit earlier? Yep. But you can actually, as long as your IRA comes to the table with your money and your wife's IRA comes with that money, then it can just go on title. She owns 60% and I own 40% based on the money that's brought in. Do you understand that? So it's a really simple process. It's the money that comes in. There's one exception to that that's really cool. And it really is about real estate generally. You want to hear that one? Yes, of course. It's called a joint venture. And you've heard of joint ventures. And you usually think of joint ventures as being big, pricey things. You know, when you build a freeway or you build a new building, it can be something as small as this. We all have different talents and we all have different monies in the bank. And it's not ever the same, right? It's different for everybody. But when you're in real estate, a lot of times the person that has the money doesn't have the time or they may not even have the smarts to use it. So let's, I'm going to use you as an example. Let's say that you are a real estate hustler, Marco. You know the market and stuff. You just don't have the benefit of deep pockets or you'd like to do more deals. And sooner or later, we all run out of money. So I'm going to come to you and I say, Marco, I'm not good at anything in this real estate. I got money and I want that money to work really well. So tell me what I can do. You say, well, that's pretty cool. I know a property right now we can buy for 120. I think we can get it up to about 180. It needs about $15,000 worth of work. And I said, I work in the business. I'm trying to build my company. I don't want to know anything about it except show me the numbers and how it's going to work out. So you create a joint venture agreement between my IRA and you. You don't even have an IRA. It doesn't matter. And so what's going to happen is I put the 120 down, you go purchase the house. The agreement will say you'll fund all of the rehab work or whatever. And let's say there's a $30,000 payoff at the end. We split it 50-50. You can do that and calculate that any way you wish. My $120,000 is working because I expect to get all of that done within six months, right? Mm -hmm. And then we'll even put in the joint venture agreement. What happens if we don't sell it? Do we lower it or do we start renting it out and just make it a long-term hold? Either, you know, that's up to us. So the power of money 
it gets the deal funded, but yet my IRA can get the returns I want. And you, as someone that doesn't even have an IRA, get to do another flip that you would not be able to deal with any other way. There's so many ways to do this. And it it shocks me and our thousands of clients we have, we have almost $1.5 billion of client assets. How few people do this? Because the power is in knowing it and then unlocking it, unleashing the power. It's just amazing. So that's the second way is partnering. So you can partner right on the equity side where we said, and it can be five versus 95 or 50-50. It doesn't matter. It's just where the money comes. The joint ventures have to be written up in advance. And then you have the third type, which is borrowing. Now, I don't stress this too much because it only works for real estate. It doesn't work for all the other things. You can do so many different things in your IRA. A lot of times we all run out of money. So we look for someone that's going to finance the deal. The first place you look to, you don't look to banks or traditional places because the kind of loan has to be non-recourse loan. Mm. And uh, Marcos, that is about a loan that says, if it goes bad, that you can't come after me personally. The reason why is you can't come after my IRA, just like OJ Simpson's IRA couldn't be. You couldn't come back and get mine, but you could get the property. So it's really property-based financing. You have the opportunity to get it from the seller because they want to get the deal done. So we see that all the time. But you also can use a third party to finance it. And they get the mortgage on the property, the security interest on the property. So they can get, you know, in the market today, I got to tell you, I'm very aware of what cash earns in the marketplace today. Mm-hmm. Cash earns, if you go five years out, you're going to get about, about 1.7%. Five-year commitment of your money, 1.7%. And this is what people are, they're frustrated with their IRAs, right? If they're going to get an annuity, it gets paid even worse than that. But now... I can go out to them and if I'm doing flips or if I'm even doing long-term holds, I can go out and if, the, if there's enough money in this deal, I can promise you 5% secured by real estate. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? So now I can leverage this up and do more and more of these deals. Understand there's one other side note to this that if you leverage and you sell with leverage debt, there's an additional tax you'll pay inside the IRA. It's called unrelated debt financed income. Once again, that's probably for the next level of discussion on this. Right. Before we also end this broadcast, I also want to touch on briefly on a solo 401k, which is like the coolest thing of all, and that UDFI doesn't even affect solo 401k. There's an exemption for that. So I got a lot to share with you, and I sure I need you to guide me because I'll be just taken off with all, all the excitement. Sure. Well, I'm going to bring up the topic of a Roth IRA later. So maybe we can yeah. just talk about the solo 401k and the Roth IRA at the same time, because we're Great. just, we want to focus on how do I create wealth and build wealth within my retirement account using self-directed retirement accounts. So I had two thoughts. One regarding your uh, five-year return of 1.75% or whatever that was. Yeah. I don't think you're adjusting for inflation on that because if you are, you should have a negative return. <laughs> so, but regardless of what it is, whether it's a negative return or 1%, the point is, is that cash just sitting there in an inflationary environment is really not producing anything for you. You're just losing money each and every year. So you should put it to work. And that's the beautiful thing about having a self-directed retirement account is you can put it into cash producing, income producing assets. So the other comment I want to make, Glenn, is just a quick comment for the listeners about financing. It is a little, or maybe a lot, but uh, tougher to get financing for a self-directed retirement account, but it does exist. It's non-recourse financing. There's a lender or two out there that will do it. 
this is an option for some people to set up a self-directed retirement account and then make their purchases using that non-recourse financing, which may not be 80% loan to value. It may only be 50%, maybe 60%, but it does exist. So I don't want people to think that it's not an option or a possibility. If you were to come to me and say, I got a 50% down equity slug and you get to repossess the property, should I, my IRA not pay? I'd take that all day long. And now, now the benefit of that is you have two properties that you're getting the uplift on price rise. You're getting the uplift on rental income. Yes. So it has to do with multiplication and everybody's comfort level is a little different on that. So I want to suggest it's for everybody. No, of course. It's a matter of conversation, weighing out the pros and cons to see what makes the most sense for you. With the partnering thing, that's probably a really good segue to another question I have for you. And that is how is income and expenses handled within the self-directed IRA? Because not only does it need to be arm's length, but it has to be completely separated from you, meaning that you cannot participate in putting monies in or taking monies out. Rental income that comes in, that cash flow has to stay within that retirement account. So there has to be absolute complete separation. How do you handle that with your self-directed IRA? And also, how do you handle that when you have a partnership? Yeah, I like to talk about practical solutions rather than sort of simple or ones that don't really work. I mean, after 17 years and you see people's frustrations, we try to make this one of our three uniques in our company is to make it simple because I know that everything really irritates me when it gets too complicated because first I feel dumb and second of all, I don't get the job done. And so uh, I do get a chance to feel dumb every day. So how do you as a self-directed IRA owner handling income and expenses? Because you've got to keep cash flows and capital expenditures completely separated. Yeah. Well, here's the practical way. If it was just you and I, it's pretty easy. I mean, I'm just going to, you know, if if we have a tax bill, for example, I'm going to notify you, Newview would notify you that you have a $3,000 tax bill and your portion of it, you own 50% is $1,500. With taxes, it's pretty easy because we ask for an upfront authorization to always pay your property taxes. You can tell us not to, but you can't. I'm not having to wait for you to do that because you'd lose your property. Where it gets complicated is now the third person comes in and the fourth person comes in. And the reason that gets complicated, first of all, is generally speaking, someone's not going to be want to be in that investment all the way till the time it's liquidated. Someone's going to want to come in and come out. So you're going to form an LLC. So the structure would form an LLC. And then the IRAs would fund the LLC, right? So your IRA would own 25% of Sunshine State LLC and mine would own 75%. And the beauty of that is that now I can, you can sell your percent, 25% to a third party. Now they step in your place. You're no longer in that deal. And I don't have to retitle the property and pay all the taxes necessary and the lawyers to retitle the property. It's still in the same. The only thing that's changed is your ownership name on that 25%. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. So, so as a practical matter, someone is named as the manager of the LLC. We would not be the manager. It would be one of the investors, and then they would have to act as the manager. And obviously, they've got to have to do keep the right records and all of that. For But that is allowed inside a self-directed IRA. So this might be an extreme example. And this is a thing that I think about from time to time. Someone who has invested as much as they possibly can from their self-directed IRA into assets and, and real estate. Now, all of a sudden, there's a major repair that comes up that was unplanned for, like a roof replacement, and there's a capital expenditure cost, and they don't have the funds or enough funds in the retirement account to pay for those repairs. They can't pay for it themselves. How do you handle a situation like that? 
well, it's not how I handle it. It's how do they handle well, it. <laughs> I just don't want to take on the obligation of fixing that for them. Of course, of course. Part of that is thinking about that before the hurricane comes. I mean, I'm in Florida and I do remember the hurricanes that have come through here. I wasn't barely moved in and Charlie hit us. And then some, another one, I forget all the names. And, and I remember going up on a flight and looking down over Orlando and about two thirds of the roof were blue. And I've never seen blue, so many blue roofs because it was just tarps yeah. over the top of them. Those things can happen. So you need to be insured for it, right? That would be good to have some sort of insurance against most of the pestilence that might come your way. But the other part would be is to make sure there's enough cash left, that you're not really draining all of your cash, or you have the opportunity to make a future contribution. So there's ways to deal with this. Number one is, have you contributed all your money towards your IRA, right? And if you haven't, make the contribution, then use that money to add to it, right? Okay. By the way, as a practical matter, you could also get debt on it, right? You could find based on the equity value of it, you could go get go to a third party, just like I said, to buy it, you could go get third party to put debt on it. So now your IRA is going to owe that, but you'll have the new roof on it and you'll take care of it, right? Right. The third way is to sell a piece of it. So you'll sell me a third of it. So the title will be changed because I'm not a relative or you couldn't ch- by the way, I don't do deals with any of my clients, so understand I'm just using myself as an example. Right. But you could find somebody else that will take over enough interest to give you enough money, so maybe you sell 5% of the property. So there's ways you can do this. It's just better to think about this in advance. But I, I, I know it's an extreme example, but I bring it up because I'm just yeah. thinking for that person who's got $100,000 in their retirement account, and they're using the hundred or 95000 of it to put towards an investment, a purchase, what happens if they're caught short? I go through life and hopefully I'm a good enough friend that people trust me. My clients all trust me with a lot of money, but I like to have financial friends. It's really smart if you're in any business of any investing, whether you're inside an IRA or not, to be able to, when you see a good deal, it's a buddy that you can call up and help fund something. Yeah. I would say if you're fully vested in something in an IRA and something could happen, have a buddy that would be happy to lend your IRA five grand. And this way, when you go in, you're not like trying to figure it out last minute. It's just one phone call away. And, and I've been blessed with a lot of friends like that. And hopefully I've been a friend like that to others too. Yep. Yep. Well, you can be creative. There is creativity and there are options out there. Let's move this forward to something that I like in the real estate world, which is a tax deferred exchange, also known as a 1031 exchange. It's a powerful tool, especially when you have real estate that you can now leverage up into more real estate because you've got all this equity and you can sell property and take that equity and purchase more property with it. So that's a sale and a purchase or a sale and repurchase, if you will. Is that possible or how is that possible to do that within a self-directed retirement account? Because the way I look at it, that's a great way to accelerate your tax-free wealth. It is, but I would suggest it doesn't really play that well. The only way it plays in some esoteric edges where you might have some unrelated debt finance income, once again, through leverage, and you'd buy something that's more leveraged and you could move it into that. In 17 years, that hasn't happened. So I kind of look at two things as walking side by side. One is with your after-tax money, which is your 1031 exchange, and one is with your pre-tax money, which is with your IRA. Now, it could be post-tax with a Roth, and I know we're going to talk about that later. So this is the end of part one, and Glenn and I went a little bit long, a little over an hour, and so I thought I'd just chop these up into two 30-minute or so episodes. 
and they'll probably be released back to back or or one day right after the other. So that way it just spreads it out, but at the same time makes them available to you right away. Anyway, that's it. I will continue this conversation with Glenn on the next episode. Uh, download your free report, The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing. That will come with a free book once it's published here. Soon it's almost done. The book is in manuscript form. Get your free strategy session with my team of investment counselors. Just contact us through the website or by phone, and we will set up a strategy session for you to help you map out your plan from where you are to where you want to get to and give you some pointers and counseling and direction on how to get there and as quickly as you can. Uh, If you have questions about real estate, please submit those to me through the PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com website. If you haven't subscribed already, shame on you. Just click the subscribe button and you will be notified of each and every episode that comes out. Spread the word. Share this with friends and family. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes. I always read those and I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening and I will see you shortly on our next episode. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights in media interviews, please contact the host.